What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on ComboChurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. All right, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1, and, uh, and, and please lean into to these verses today because there's some very particular words that the Holy Spirit uses Paul in his writing to use that paint a specific picture that will lead us somewhere. It says, so there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's a good news right there. If you belong to Jesus, yeah, he knows what you did last summer, but he's not condemning you for it. He's bringing you to a new place. And because you belong to him, the power, somebody say power, of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. All right, a couple of statements here. Sin leads to death. And it's not your good works and efforts that produces the spirit's life. It's the power of the life-giving spirit that frees you from the very things that were meant to destroy you. Go down to verse five. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature Think about sinful things. These aren't necessarily rocket science statements, but you have to understand that is, it, there's a simplicity in who the Holy Spirit is. And there is a simplicity that God wants to bring us into understanding who he is in our life. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. There's a lot of we're like thinking in mind, right? That's gonna happen a lot in the scriptures that we read today. Because when you get saved, your spirit, boom, instantaneously experiences a born-again transformation. But your soul, which is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions, you gotta wake up with that every day. Like you may be on fire for Jesus today, but you wake up on the wrong side of the bed tomorrow, and now you gotta deal with it. Like, or you get that email that you weren't expecting, or, or, or like your kids act up a certain way, or you get to work and somebody looks at you sideways, and your spirit's good, but all of a sudden your soul is like, ready to go. That's why we're talking about the mind so much. Romans chapter 12, Paul, Paul goes on to say, uh, it is actually the, the renewing of our mind. We change the way that we think, and that's what actually brings our life into a lifestyle of worship before God. It's how we think, because our thinking has to change. That's a great spot for two people to say amen. Okay. So letting this, uh, verse six, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Let me say this word control, like controlled by the Holy Spirit right before that. Um, the Holy Spirit does not take away your ability to partner with him. So when you are controlled by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean you go into some weird like catatonic state and your eyes like roll back in your head and all of a sudden you're just doing all the things for the Lord. That's weird. That's not how God operates. Controlled by the Spirit means that you are partnering with the Spirit of God that is now inside of you. Even though that word control doesn't sound like it's a partnership, that's how God operates. God never forces himself on you. He doesn't force salvation on you. He doesn't force a relationship on you. He doesn't force his Holy Spirit on you. And he will not force spirit-filled living through your life. You always have to, every single day, Monday through Sunday, and waking up and doing it all over again, we wake up, we choose to surrender our will to the Lord every single day. That's why we can't just pray a prayer and feel good about it, went to church once, and then go back to my life, and then you're like, 
How come things are still hard? Well, it's because you're still alive. And you still need Jesus in this moment. And in the next moment, guess what you're gonna need? You're gonna need Jesus. And how do we get Jesus? By embracing his spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> Verse seven, the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Always. That means it can't cohabitate peacefully. Your sinful nature and the spirit of God will never cohabitate together. They will never be okay with each other. We're gonna break that down a little bit later because that gets a little bit deeper. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. That's crazy. That's, those are some definite words. Never. If you're under the control of your sinful nature, you can never please God. Hebrews 11.6 tells us how we can please God, by faith. It's impossible to please God except through faith. And those who believe must believe that he exists and rewards those who diligently seek after him. You can't just believe he exists. Like the devil does too. James says that. He's like, oh, you believe in God. Wow. Let's all pause and clap for you. You believe in God. So do the demons. So does the devil. And they tremble at his very name. So it's not just about believing in God. It's also knowing the nature of who God is is our heavenly father. He's a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him. He's not a rewarder of those who never screw up. He's not a rewarder of those who are perfect. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. <clears throat> it says, but you, somebody say me. me. Not me, but you, me. You, not me, but you. Stop, okay. My brain just straight up went tonight at the Roxbury. Anyway, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. Now listen to this. And I love this because in mine it's in parentheses, almost like Paul was like, oh, by the way, and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all, just so there's no confusion. Now, all right, in our Bible study, now let's go to Galatians chapter 5. We go a little bit further into the New Testament. I love Galatians 5. I think that arguably Galatians 5 may be the best chapter in all of Scripture that really talks about spirit-filled living in a way that we can kind of put something tangible to it. Here's what you got to understand. When it comes to a relationship with God, our growth and our understanding has to be connected to something tangible. Because we're tangible people, right? Like we, we exist, we're, we're matter, we're here. Like it needs to be tangible in how we can see it and how we can wrap our minds around it. Because if we don't make the reality of God tangible, then it becomes very subjective to you. And when the truth of God becomes subject, subjective, or may, maybe I should use the word relative to you, that's when our truth gets screwed up. Because then you can come before God and be like, well, God, to me, you are this. And then I can come, God, well, to me, God, you're this. And God's like, who said that you got to define me? God is a self-defining God. That's huge. And your theology, if you don't get that right from the beginning, everything else is going to go sideways. God reveals himself to you, and this is how he revealed himself to you. He also, like, you go outside, you look around, you see the sky, you see the mountains, you see the trees. You're like, no, that's not, God's in, the, God's in everything. No, God created everything. Please get it right. He created everything. So you can see his nature in what he created, but he is not those things. That's, somebody needed to hear that because that's something that gets embraced a lot. Well, I don't, I don't need your version of God because everywhere I go, God's there. Like, it's very universalistic. 
You're like, well, isn't he everywhere? Yes, but he's also very personal, and he's very clearly defined. He's not, he's not just something, this amorphous blob of, of a spirit floating around the universe that we just kind of get to make up whatever makes sense to us. No, God says, this is who I am. And by me revealing myself to you through my word, then I can pour out my spirit on those who put their faith in the truth of who I am because those are the ones who will carry the power of my spirit to the world around, uh, around you so that his spirit can come alive in others. Uh, focus. I'm talking to myself. Don't worry about it. <clears throat> All right, Galatians 5. Um, let's start in verse 16. And in my Bible, literally the heading right above it says, living by the Spirit's power. And you got to remember, like as we're reading this, like the book of Galatians, this is literally a letter that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the church in Galatia, which is an actual place, actual people, and they were going through actual stuff that Paul was addressing. And one of the things that Paul seemed to be addressing all the time, so it's not even just a, a modern day problem, but it was from the very beginning, it was false teaching, it was bad doctrine. It was things that people were trying to teach the Christians that were not true or things that were emphasized, that were overemphasized. In this one, Paul's talking about circumcision. That's a fun one to talk about. Let's preach on circumcision. Let's do a series on circumcision. That would be fantastic. We're not going to do that. But that's what he was addressing because there were people in the church in Galatia who were now seeing all these non-Jewish believers being saved and coming into the church and the Jews were like, welcome to the church. You need to go to Engage. And in the, in the first session of Engage, this is how you become a member. I know how dumb that sounds, but that's what was going on. They're like, we really, really want you to become a part of our church. And we want you to join the dream team. Little question, got to ask you to kind of make sure that we're on the same. And, and Paul's like, what are you doing? Like, that was a part of the law of Moses. And, and Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses. And as a matter of fact, you couldn't even keep the law of Moses anyway. So why are you trying to identify one little piece and, and throw that on somebody else? I'm so sorry. But it's funny. Somebody's got to laugh at that. Like, you couldn't keep the law yourself. Why would you expect somebody else to be able to keep what you couldn't keep and make that mandatory for being a part of the church? So Paul begins to address these things. You got to understand, like when it comes to the law, like the law is not bad. Like Paul says that all throughout Romans. He's like, because you could get way too far on the grace side of things. Like, yeah, law is evil. All law is bad. We don't need rules. We just need the spirit of God. We don't need any rules in our life whatsoever. And, and Paul's like, no, actually those are really important. And, uh, and it was really good because that's actually the very thing that lets you realize how much you needed Jesus. Because before you saw something that said, don't commit adultery, you were like, I don't see what's wrong with it. And then all of a sudden we're like, do not commit adultery. Oh, is, is that not, is that, that's frowned on. Okay, shouldn't do that. But now that I know it's wrong, now it awakens something inside of me that has to be confronted with transformation. And, and scripture consistently tells us, listen, if you have broken this much of the law, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. And that becomes really challenging because in the church world, we have a tendency to identify other people's sin and talk about how bad their sin is. But we don't want to talk about how bad the sin is that we're dealing with that nobody knows about. 
Let's keep the attention. That's a little tactic. Let me keep the attention over here so you're not looking at the hot mess that's happening right here. Paul's saying, that ain't going to work, y'all. The law didn't work for you then. It didn't work for your ancestors. It's not working for you now, and it ain't going to work again. You need to surrender everything that you are to the reality of who Jesus is so that the Holy Spirit of God can come, not just make his home inside of you, but can baptize you so that the supernatural power of God begins to transform the brokenness inside of you and create you into a brand new person, born again, not fixed by God, but born again by God so that you can do the things that please the heart of God. Can I get an amen? Did we even start reading yet? No. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves because the sinful nature wants to do evil. This is elementary, but we gotta know this. Guess what? You're not a good person. Can you just come to grips with that? You're not a good person. And you know what? Neither am I. Maybe you came to church really hoping that the pastor was a good person. And you know what? By the grace of God, I'm better than I used to be. And people tell me all the time, I don't, oh, you're a pastor. I, am, I don't really do church because I don't like to be around hypocrites. I'm like, well, there's plenty of room for one more, so, right? I mean, come on. Like, why are we playing these games? You're jacked up, I'm jacked up. That's why we're here. That's why we're gathering. That's why we worship Jesus, because he's not jacked up. We are, he's not. I'm bad, you're good. I'm the worst, you're way better, right? Let's just go ahead and get this. Like, turn to somebody and say you're jacked up. Come on, be real with somebody. Husbands, be really careful right now. Be really careful with that one. Just look at your kids. That's a lot safer. Wives, you're fine. There's no rules. We already know. We already know. And the Spirit gives us desires, listen, that are opposite of what the sinful nature craves. It's not close. It's opposite. Like our sinful nature, apart from God, Man, it, it, it just, it's, it's a, it's, and I kind of talked about it last week, like literally even our best efforts before God are filthy rags. They cannot cohabitate. They can't play nice. The spirit of God will not be cool with you maintaining an active sinful nature that you don't want to deal with. It's not going to happen. And if you try to make that happen, it's going to cause more problems for you because there becomes this conflict that you're not resolving. There becomes this battle that you refuse to deal with that will tear you apart from the inside out. And no, God's not trying to tear you apart, but when you invite God into a space where there's something that is opposite of him, guess what? He's not gonna bow to it. Let's go to verse 19. Guys, this is where it starts to get kind of defined. Are you okay with that? We're gonna do it anyway. Verse 19. It says, when you follow, remember, somebody say me, Because this is what I want you to do today. I don't want you thinking about somebody else right now. I don't want you to hear what we're about to go into and what Paul lays down and be like, "Mm mm-hmm, I know that person. Be like, yeah, look in the mirror. That's who we're talking about today. Like it's, there there are times when when we need to identify what's happening elsewhere. That's real. But there are more important times where we need to look in the mirror and we need to deal with what's inside here so that God can actually do the work that he wants to do. Like the more excuses that we make about, well, it's not that bad, or, well, you know, you don't know my background, you don't know my story. Like, I don't need to. God does, and guess what? He trumps all of it. 
like his spirit is going to, it doesn't matter how, uh, how, how bad you've been, and it doesn't, and this, please hear me, this doesn't diminish things that maybe have been done to you, but those things can't hold God back either. The only thing that holds God back from doing what he says he can do in you is you surrendering to his will and allowing his Holy Spirit to do through grace and love and mercy and kindness through the lens of his holiness permission to do the things that he says he can do. All right, here we go. Paul's getting real with the Galatians, mainly because there's half of the Galatian church that thinks they're cool because they think they follow most of the rules, and then they're also blaming the others that they don't think follow the rules good enough. And he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, notice the word desires, because that's going to contrast with another word here in a second. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. They're clear. It's not confusing. We're n- nobody's sitting back wondering if, man, I wonder if this is something that's uh, sinful nature or something that really makes God happy. Like, I really don't think any of us are at a point when we are struggling with something where we're confused on whether it's God and whether it's not. He says it's crystal clear, sexual immorality, woo, impurity, lustful pleasures. Well, you know, that can be very subjective, Pastor, like, how do you even define that? Well, this is how I define it. When God creates something, he creates the definition of something. When we do something with what God created, yet outside of the definition of how he created it, then it is immoral. Is that, is that clear enough? I know some people are like, well, go in, go in on another topic deeper. No, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to take the attention off of what God's trying to do in your heart right now. So let God do some work in your heart right now. You can be free. doesn't matter what it is. Don't put limits on what God can do. You can be free. Somebody needs to hear that. Like it is God's desire for you is not to just trust him as you struggle through your struggles. You need to know that the will of God, and it is possible for you to be completely free from the things that have been in your life that have been creating brokenness. The things that have been passed down to you because your parents were that way, your dad was that way, your mom was that way, your grandparents were that way, it's just going to be what it is. No. You have the authority to stop it with you. Do you know how? By giving it to Jesus, by inviting the Holy Spirit in. Here's some more. This is a great list. Don't you love lists? Idolatry, which is worshiping other gods. Like, I don't worship other gods. Well, maybe it's not something that you at home and you get down on your knees and you're like, I worship you, oh, whatever. It's, worship is what has your heart. So like, this could be something that is causing idolatry in your heart. Um, you get the picture. <clears throat> Sorcery. You know what sorcery is? It's supernatural, but without God. Put that on everything. Well, pastor, it's just, inter- you know, I just love to, get, love to get my palms read. It's just fun, okay? I love, I love to open up the newspapers. Anybody actually get a newspaper anymore? And I love to read what it tells me my future is. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. The crystal ball stuff, fortunate. It's just fun. Like, no, well, I'm glad you're having fun with that. But what you're doing is you're dabbling in something that is real, that is a supernatural power, but it doesn't involve God. It's called sorcery. That's, a, that's something that is a, a part of your sinful nature. And then it's like hostility, quarreling. It's like, whoa, how'd that get in there? 
That's, that doesn't seem like as big as the other ones, but here it is. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, getting drunk, wild parties. And then and Paul's like, and you know, other sins like these. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to tire. All the things. All right, now, guys, listen to this verse, because this is, this is heavy. But you got to understand, like, we, we got to get outside of this and be like, guys, this is no big deal. God's got it covered. His grace, grace, his grace is more than enough. Like, just you be you. God will cover the rest. No. Paul says, let me tell you again, which means he's said this multiple times, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I've heard people argue that. Well, you know, the kingdom of God is kind of talking about you know, the full blessings of God in this life. I'm like, no, the kingdom of God is eternal, okay? So your life in this context as we're sitting here today, not eternal. Obviously, yes, there's a part of us that is, but what we're living, like, it will come to an end at some point. But the kingdom of God has no end. It was established on earth when Jesus ascended back to the Father, and it will not ever end again. And he's saying that if you are, now listen, this is important because somebody who has a propensity to condemn yourself needs to hear this. It's not someone who has a bad day. Paul's not saying if you accidentally slip up and say a bad word, mm, no kingdom of heaven for you. Paul's not saying, oh, you know, you've got that struggle and you were scrolling on your phone, you looked at something you shouldn't look at, mm, no kingdom of heaven for you. Oh, no, you, you, um, you know, there's... For whatever reason, there's something inside of you that causes you to have an attraction towards something that you, you think is, is wrong, but you're still attracted to it. I guess the kingdom of heaven's not for you. No, he says that those who are living lifestyle, which means that you are actively pursuing the things that you know are fed from your sinful nature. That means that you don't have the spirit of God in you. It means you have not surrendered yourself to, the, to Christ. It means you are not filled with the Holy Spirit because you are actively living in your sinful nature. Those are the ones who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because if that's not the case, let's go ahead and shut off the lights, turn this all off, and go home because we're all doomed anyway. Because you're going to have a bad day. You're going to face a temptation. But it's what you do with that that determines the spirit that is alive inside of you. You do not have to give in to the things that were a part of your sinful nature. Stop believing that lie. doesn't matter whether you're a third, fourth, fifth generation addict. It's not who you are anymore tired of these philosophies that say just that's who you are and that's who you're always going to be. You just got to deal with it. No. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Not he who the sun sets free from addiction will continue to be addicted, but you know, you're kind of dealing with it as God helps you. No, you're free. If you're struggling with porn, you can be free from it. If you're struggling with drugs, you can be free from it. If you're struggling with sexual temptation, you can be free from it. Name it. Whatever it is for you, give it to God and stop making excuses for it. God wants you to be completely set free from these things. Now, here's the thing. It says the desires of sinful nature, but now in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, I want you to understand the word here is important, fruit. When you plant something, it's going to take a hot minute before that plant grows up and produces fruit. Am I right? Like if you planted an, an apple seed this morning, ain't no apples when you go home today. It's going to take time. It's going to take time for that, for that seed to die and for that, for that process, roots and, and something to shoot out, and then it begins to grow, and then over time it can produce fruit. Yeah, there's aspects of a relationship with God that can produce fruit instantly. That's what repentance does. But I'm talking about the things over time. 
as we, as, we, as we choose every single day to get up and follow Jesus. It's like it's easy to do it. We're here, like, right? We're in the environment. Like it's, it's, kinda, it's helpful when there's other people around us that are encouraging us. But when you wake up tomorrow, guess what? You get to choose to do it again. And when you wake up on Tuesday, you get to wake up and choose to do it again. Because the more that we lean into the environment that nurtures the new us in Jesus through the Holy Spirit, the more we are nurturing what God has planted inside of us. It happens all the time. People come in, Pastor, I'm so glad to be in your church. Let me tell you about my gifts and talents because I'm just ready to be used by God uh, with a microphone on the platform. I'm like, whoop, time, pump the brakes. So it has nothing to do with you being good enough or not gifted or whatever. It's great. God put those things in you. But sometimes when God is trying to bring us to a place of consistency and faithfulness, there's a time where God wants you to Instead of being on a platform, he wants you to put some chairs together. He wants you to learn how to sit under some leadership and be discipled and be nurtured and be loved and be, and be coached and to even be corrected and to be brought into some formation where God is trying to bring those things out of you that are going to produce lasting fruit. But these are the things that the Holy Spirit, the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. And I love the contrast between this and the sinful nature. Love. And can we be real? Like the English language stinks when it comes to words and definitions. Like we are, and sometimes I'm grateful because I'm like the simplicity of the English language, right? But this isn't like, oh yeah, I know what love is. I hear that word all the time. No, let's, let's God has a different way of, of defining and expressing love. And since he's kind of the creator, we're gonna go with what he says on, on this. And it's the love of God. So love, joy, not happiness. I kind of wish happiness was in there, right? Just be happy all the time. I'm just happy. No, happiness is going to depend on what happens to you. And I like being happy. I prefer to be happy. But sometimes I'm not happy. But here's what's weird. Even when I'm not happy because of my feelings, I can still have joy in my heart. Because I know that whatever I'm going through, whatever is stealing my happiness, doesn't have the authority to steal my joy. Peace. Anybody can use a good dose of this right now. Just the peace of God. Patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. I love this. Again, here it shows the partnership. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed. It doesn't say that Jesus took it and nailed it for you. I actually love that. I love that so much. Like Jesus is literally on the cross, nailed to the cross, and he is inviting you to take the brokenness of your life and to apply it to him as he is nailed on the cross. Jesus, just take it from me. It's like, no, I want you to nail it to the cross. I'm, I'm, I'm paying the price for you. You don't have to pay the price, but I, I need you to nail it to the cross. You know, it's interesting, there's even another contrast in the, gospel, in the New Testament, sorry, where, uh, where it actually paints this picture of every time that we willfully go back to that broken, dead lifestyle of sin, it says it's as if we are nailing Jesus to the cross all over again. It's just something to think about because Jesus sees it and he knows the freedom that is available. And I think it breaks his heart every, every time he sees us go back to something that he's already conquered and destroyed for you. Since we are living 
by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let me pray for you in, in just a second. You can close your Bibles. and, um, Guys, the world around us is so desperate to see Christians be who God says we can be. So desperate. They may not say that. They may not be texting you and be like, Man, I'm so desperate to see, like, the Spirit of God in you. You know, it's like, it's not going to happen. But here's the thing. All humanity, humanity, not just all creation, all humanity is created in the image of God. That, that, that seed of their identity in God is in every single human. But because we have that sin nature inside of us, like, we, we have to bring that to God. We have to surrender that thing to God. We have to lay it at the altar and say, God, would you take this thing? And that's called repentance. And repentance is when we, we turn 180 degrees from the direction that we've been going so that we can follow the direction that God says is possible. And it's only possible through what Jesus did on the cross. And then it's only possible to walk out, not because we have willpower, but because the Holy Spirit empowers us so that we can have spirit-filled living. Guys, if all we ever do is sit around in church and, and get into a crew and we sit around our little circles and we talk about Jesus and but, we, we, but nothing changes when we leave these doors. Nothing changes when we're at home. And parents, when we're talking to our kids, we're still talking to them like, like we're not somebody who's redeemed and transformed and trying to raise up another generation. Or when we go to our work in our office place and the things that they hear us say and the life that they see us live is just like the life that they're living and the things they're saying. So why would they want to become a part of believing something that we believe when there's no difference between us and them? <clears throat> Yeah, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but we gotta get our minds wrapped around the reality that the Holy Spirit came to empower you to live a public, bold, out loud life for Jesus Christ. Not ashamed, not private. No, my relationship with God is just really private. It's not meant to be. That's, that's nowhere. You can have private prayer time with God, but from there it should be catapulting you into the public expression of who you are as a Christian, filled with the Spirit of God. Unafraid, when you see somebody in need, to go pray for them. Doesn't mean you, you're, it's not on you, it's on God. So you go pray for somebody. You speak encouragement to somebody. You love on somebody. You give somebody a hug that needs a hug. You tell somebody who's going through stuff that there is hope. And you share your testimony of what God has done for you and what he is currently doing for you because you know we're still a work in progress. Jesus, I thank you right now for every single person in this room, for every age, for every generation, male and female, young and old. God, we all need you now more than ever. And Lord, I am so grateful for the work that you did for us, God. We didn't deserve any of this, but you died for us. And Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that through your power, you give us the ability to do the things that we've never been able to do and never could do on our own. We can't please you with our life, but because of your power, Holy Spirit, we can live a life that pleases you and that creates that light, God, that you talk about that shines brightly for others to see. So I pray today, Lord, against um, any mindset that would try to hold anybody back that they're not good enough or worthy enough to receive your grace or to receive your Holy Spirit in their life. God, none of us are, but that's not the prerequisite. Humility is the prerequisite. Repentance is the prerequisite. Asking for forgiveness 
And God, you are so faithful, no matter who we are, and no matter how badly we feel like we've messed up, to bring us in and to make us brand new from the inside out. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. I'm not gonna make anybody raise their hands for this because that's, that's not the point. But I'm telling you, do not leave today still hanging on to something that's holding you back from God. And I, this one's kind of weird. I don't know who this is for. But peer pressure has been such a problem for you that you know that you should be pursuing God with passion, but you haven't been because you're afraid of what people think. That's a stronghold, and God wants to free you of that today. You're here. There's, the, pornography is something that has been destroying you. There's no pleasure in it. There's no enjoyment in it. It's destructive to you, and it's actually to the point where it's painful for you. You do not have to leave today with that still being something that's in your life. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.